Available right now via the iHeart app and iTunes. Our two new podcasts. Armstrong and Getty, one more thing. That's our daily after show podcast. And Armstrong and Getty Extra Large featuring our interviews of the most interesting people in the world. Subscribe today via the iHeart app or iTunes. Or wherever podcasts are given away for free. Because we're stupid. Clips of the week coming up. Plenty of time for it this hour. But we like any opportunity to give a good kick into one Mark Zuckerberg. <laughs> well, that is true. Uh, I've been looking forward to this interview since we booked it. Uh, Roger McNaby is a tech venture capitalist, uh, a writer, a thinker, also a musician. And he's written a book called Zucked, Waking Up to the Facebook Catastrophe. Roger, welcome. How are you, sir? I am really well. It's so much fun to be on the show with you guys. Oh, that's that's nice of you to say. I see you went to a Yale. Bribe or merit? Uh, you know, I, I actually, it was worse than that. It was random dumb luck. And uh, uh, no, I was, uh, I, was, I was back in the days before bribe or merit even mattered. Really? And, you yeah, just got no, picked. Was, yeah, I'm, I'm that old, yeah. Well, no, you've definitely. done well, so, so good for you. Hey, listen, the title... Catastrophe uh, waking, seems strong. Yeah, that's a strong word. Waking up to the Facebook catastrophe. Do tell. So, you know, guys, here's what the issue is. That we as consumers love using Internet products, right? We love the fun. We love the convenience. We love the productivity that come from them. But our understanding of the deal that we have with them, which is that we give up our data, they give us this really cool personalized service, is not what's actually going on. What's actually going on is that these guys do that, but they're now building businesses that are designed to essentially manipulate us in ways we're not aware. And I'll give you a couple examples. Like Google, right? When you think about uh, Gmail, which is something so many of us use, right? We, we originally signed up with a deal that said, Google, you may scan our emails uh, because you're going to put targeted advertising in in order to pay for the service. But then we discovered we didn't like the ads. So Google removed the ads, but they're still scanning our emails. Now, I want you to think about this for just a minute. You know, all of us send letters. We send packages with FedEx. We use the phone company. In those cases, those companies are called common carriers. They transport. They're not allowed to spy on what we're doing. And Google would tell the federal government, hang on, we're a platform, not a media company. You can't hold us to the rules, right? You guys are have all these rules because you're a media company. You're responsible for the content you put out. Google says you can't hold us responsible for that. You have to treat us as a platform, which is like a telephone company or like a postal service. And yet they scan the contents of the messages. And we, you know, we're not aware that what they're doing is they're gathering data on our behavior in order to essentially affect our future, to give us choices that we're not aware that we're being limited to. And it's very harmful. Like Pokemon Go. Do you guys remember Pokemon Go? Sure, of course. So that got created inside Google's labs. And we think we're going out there and just playing this really fun game. Let me tell you what's really going on. What's going on is they got a billion people going around with their cameras, taking pictures of everything they were doing. So they would use it for image recognition. They would do it to follow routes. But then they did a behavioral manipulation experiment. They wanted to see if we put a Pokemon in private property, could we get you to knock on a stranger's door or climb over a fence? Yes, we could. <laughs> and 
if we put a Pokemon in a Starbucks, could we get you to go in and buy a cup of coffee? Yes, we could. Now, how about if we put it in the third Starbucks on the street further away and we gave you 10 cents off? Would you behave that way? And, you know, when we use Google Maps, same thing. You know, the route says, hey, take this weird-looking route, right? And we think, well, that's going to be faster. And it turns out it's not. Google's purpose with Google Maps is not to get us to our destination faster. It's to make sure they gather all the data on the speed of all the routes. And so they need some people to take inferior routes some of the time. Well, that's so, interesting because I, I don't take that route, by the way, and I never have because I've always looked at it and thought that's, their system is flawed to think that's the best way to get there. I well, know a better and, and way the to get there. Is, they, they know it's not the best way to get there. Interesting. So, so my point to you is we think the deal we have is we're giving them data so we get a better service. And that is a small part of what's going on. But now increasingly what's going on is they're running these manipulation experiments. They're essentially recognizing there's a lot of data in the world. And if they gather it all, they can make the world more efficient. The problem is when they make the world more efficient, they're taking choices away from us. And we're not conscious of that. And so a big part of what I'm trying to do is to just say to people, wait a minute, the way they're doing this is they have said they own all this data, right? They take pictures of your house. They say they own it. They take pictures of you know, through Pokemon Go, they say they own that. They go and buy your most intimate financial data, health data, location data. They get your browser history. They scan your emails. They scan your documents. And they say they own all that, and they can use it for their commercial purposes. And the problem is, while they do all that kind of stuff, they set up an environment where we're all being controlled like lab rats. And bad guys can take advantage of all those same tools and that's how you wind up with terrorism in New Zealand. That's how you wind up with election interference in Brexit in the United Kingdom. That's how you wind up with ethnic cleansing in Myanmar. And so we've got this situation where the cost of these really fun services is starting to get to be really, really, really high. Roger McNamee's on the line. The book is Zucked, Waking Up to the Facebook Catastrophe. Listen, we could talk to you all day about this, and, and we ought to drag you back for a longer-form podcast, but I want to hit some highlights you bet. in the time we have. And the the manipulation of our animal brains, the tiny shots of endorphin, yeah, the hooking us yeah, stuff, yeah. I find fascinating. It is, it is scary. So the way it works is really simple. They gotta get you, they're competing against all these other media. They compete against your show. So how do they do that? They use the same things that marketers have always used. They appeal to our need for rewards. They give us notifications. But the difference in radio, everybody gets the same message. On Facebook and Google, they can tailor it precisely to you. And once they get you on, right, they want to make a habit. But for many of us, the habit turns into an addiction. Like I ask people, you want to know if you're addicted? When do you check your phone first thing in the morning? Is it before you pee? Before I pee. Or why you're peeing, right? Because for most of us, that's the full range, right? I mean, by the time you're done peeing, you've been checking your phone for a minute. So once they get you, then they want to... i got a week stream, so it's probably about two minutes. Okay. Low T. Well, then you get to read a lot more, right? But basically, once they've got you, then they got to keep you. And the way they do that is they find the stuff that most animates us. And it turns out, unfortunately, that's going to be stuff that makes us afraid or stuff that makes us outraged or it's conspiracy theories and disinformation. And the problem with this is that it just, it's universal. You know, you see somebody's perfect vacation on Instagram, you know, you might be jealous. But if somebody makes you afraid, you're going to share it. And you're going to share it because if you're afraid and others join you in that fear, 
you relax. It's a herd mentality. Boy, and they're, also, they're, they're so good at it. Like, you, I mostly, uh, my weakness is YouTube around this, which is yeah. owned by Google. And they have figured out my likes so well. When I throw on YouTube, it's just a list of things I'm interested in. I mean, they know all my favorite you know, history authors, guitar stores, just all my favorite stuff. Baby monkeys atop swine, that <laughs> they, sort of they've thing. They've got me figured out completely as to what's going to keep me around there. Here's right. the problem with it, okay? We say to ourselves, well, hang on, just get rid of the hate speech. Get rid of the disinformation. But they can't because the business model is based on knowing who we really are. And when we're going out in public, we have our best selves on. But they need to get past that. They need to see how we react outrage how do we react to fear how do we react you know if they show us something that's anti-semitic how do we react to that if they show us something that's anti-immigrant how do we react to that and they need that information to make the business model work and in the process that causes polarization right it causes us to be angry at people who frankly have a lot in common with us but we may disagree on one topic and that's what's unhealthy about it and that's what i'm trying to get people to do uh, to step back and just ask the question. The business model is based on having our most personal data. Why is it legal for Google and other people to scan our emails and documents? It shouldn't be. They should be treated like the Postal Service. Why is it legal for them to trade our personal health information? In a doctor's office, they can't do that. Why is it legal for them to get our most personal financial information without our understanding, approval, and support? Same thing for location. And I think once we have these conversations, what I've discovered, if I'm on Fox, everybody agrees. If I'm on MSNBC, everybody agrees. Well, now that's interesting. (laughs) Right? This is about right and wrong, not right and left. And so everybody goes, yeah, you're right. I don't want to be controlled by some corporation. But that's what's going on. They're manipulating us. And my point is not because they're bad people. It's because there are no rules. Now, Roger, I don't know a lot about you, but I, I have reason to believe that, that you're able to make your rent and have a little money left over to spend. We'll just leave it there. Um, but obviously, you were really, really motivated to write this book. Um, was there a moment, was there a particular realization that made you think, I'm going to spend the next several years of my life fighting this stuff? There was. So I was at one time a mentor to Mark Zuckerberg and Sheryl Sandberg. And, uh, but that was early in the life of, of Facebook, back 2006 to 2009. And in 2016, I started to notice things, violations of civil rights, the Brexit referendum in the United Kingdom, there was manipulation going on there. And I reached out to my friends to warn them that I thought there was something wrong with the business model and algorithms at Facebook. And I spent three months trying to persuade them to do what Johnson & Johnson did after somebody poisoned bottles of Tylenol in Chicago, which is to protect the people who use their product, to drop everything and just leap to their defense. I spent three months pushing them. They said they weren't interested. And it was at that point I was faced with a moral choice. I'd been involved here. I had profited from it. And I was retired, so I could have just sat back and watched. But what I chose to do, I said, you know what? I owe it to myself and to everybody to see if I can spread the word, to make people aware that that this thing I was involved in, which I loved so much, has, for a variety of reasons that are related to the culture of business and related to the culture of Silicon Valley, you know, gone into a really, really bad place. So it's go- that's one question I want to I want to get to before we run out of time is. Did it start as something else and become this as they realized how much money they could make? Or was this Definitely. the intent all along? No, no. I, I, I believe that, that at the beginning they didn't see where it was going to go. And I think Mark, from the beginning, wanted to connect the whole world. 
but I don't think he completely internalized what that meant and what that opportunity would create. Because when he was in college, before he did this, you couldn't have created Facebook. Basically, they came along at the perfect time when suddenly all the limits on technology went away and you could make a global product. And it took them a long time to figure this out. They did not figure it out while I was involved there. It came actually three or four years later than that. And you know, in, in Google's case, they figured it out much earlier, but I was not an insider there, so I didn't see it. And at the end of the day, I think that in a culture of business where essentially we've removed the government as the setter of rules and the enforcer of rules, you basically have smart people who have license to grab whatever they can grab, and the rest of us are powerless to stop them until we go to the ballot box, until we go to elected officials and say, hang on, what are you doing to prevent these guys from trading my most personal information and manipulating my life. You know, we tend to be uh, of a libertarian bent around here, but the well, idea the way, so of is everybody an, in Silicon Valley, including myself, right? right? Right, but the idea of an individual having instantaneous global reach is kind of a new thing for mankind. Well, and I would argue that this notion that I believe that when you wake up in the morning, you have a choice. Am I going to go to work? Am I going to stay home? Am I going to have breakfast? Not have breakfast. Exercise? Not exercise. That's called free will. If you're a libertarian, you believe each of us has the ability to control our own lives. And what I'm talking about is that these companies, in their pursuit of efficiency, want to take our right to choose away from us because it's more profitable to do it that way. And I sit there and go, hang on, pal. You're not elected, right? You're not accountable. We have to change that lack of accountability. They have enormous power. There's no denying that. Huge power. And the thing is, I, if you're a libertarian, right, if you believe that each one of us should be responsible for our own situation, each one of us gets to make our own choices, then you have to stand up and say, stop this. Because the deal is they can still provide these services just with targeted advertising. They don't need to do the manipulation. They do not need to do the kinds of stuff that's coming. And I'm sitting there going, guys, I understand. You didn't do this because you're bad people. You did this because nobody told you it wasn't okay. Well, now I'm telling you, it's like, think of this, the chemical industry, right? They used to be able to dump mercury in fresh water, leave mine tailings on the side of the hill, pour used oil into the sewer. And then we woke up and realized, wait a minute, those externalities cost society a lot. People get sick, the environment's polluted. We should make the people who create that toxic spill pay for the cost. I'm saying now we have toxic digital spills. And we need these guys to pay that cost and change the incentives. And we need to give each one of us control of our lives back. Roger McNamee, the book is Zucked, Waking Up to the Facebook Catastrophe. We need to talk again, Roger. It's Anytime, really... my friends. You guys are the best. I love the show, and you... it's just an honor to be on with you. Uh, you're too kind. All right, thanks. It's good to talk, and, and we'll Ra- do it again. Radio rules. Let's, let's make it happen. Yes! So... He sounded like he meant that, too. I, I know. He's a brilliant actor or, or sincere. And I I wanna, yeah, frankly, I don't care which. we got to follow up on this when we come back. Yeah. I, I, the book is fascinating. I mean, it is great. And i got no reason to tout it other than I mean it. This could be the story of the future of the world dealing with this. Parents, you're, I insist you read it. You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. The Armstrong and Getty Show. 
from the text line, holy cow, this guy is good. And that interview was so good. Please make that an extra large podcast. We just talked to the author of Zucked, waking up to the Facebook catastrophe. And we talked about Facebook and Google and just that whole thing of manipulating us and mining our data and all that stuff that I hate so much. And I thought it was interesting, while we're talking about that, looking up at the CBS Early Show, they got that guy. What's his name, Sean? You know that guy's name. Is that Brad Parscale? Yeah. The guy who ran Trump's operation, unbeknownst to everybody, uh, understanding how these algorithms and Facebook does work, Mm. and using their own tools to help get Trump elected. Might have been as important as anybody in America in getting Trump elected outside of Trump. Probably was. Because he understands how you can just micro-target people and feed them exactly what they want and get you know the right information to the right people. Right. Um, and and Facebook and does that Whether with all kinds of Whether your purpose is noble, evil, or somewhere in between. Yeah. Um, and Facebook's only goal is to keep you around and have advertisers. <clears throat> and sell your data, yeah. too. Yeah. 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 The, uh, the stuff in the book about the manipulation of your lizard brain and how... And listen, I've uh, I've accused a cable news I've accused cable news of this a number of times, and will for the rest of my career, short though it may be, um, that anger and fear get your eyes riveted. Nobody has ever turned off a, a channel telling them there's a tornado heading at you, unless it's to run for your life. Um, and I think it's incredibly unhealthy. It's why everybody's so freaking angry these days. It's just it's. It's a sickness. And, you know, it's our media, social, you know, uh, on air, etc., that are doing this to all of us. And I don't like it. Do human beings have the strength or wherewithal to turn away from it? I don't, I don't know. No. I don't know either. What's coming up in your news, Marshall? Ali Assange arrest setting off a big debate about freedom of the press and government security and Avenatti's crimes outline coming up. Oh. Speaking of soulless, yeah. this Avenatti character. Great, Scott. Stay tuned for that. Coming up on the Armstrong and Getty Show. So we are going to do Clips of the Week. Settle down. And yes, he did have a very dramatic, quiet delivery. Yes. Want to recognize we know that, too. Right. Our guest. Fabulous, Roger and McNamee. The book is zucked. Mm-hmm. I got to read that book. Oh, it's great, great. I'm gonna crush it this weekend. Then we can good, pass it good, because we have a couple of copies of it. Good, good, good. Yeah, hit us with the highlights on Monday. We'll do. The highlights are we're doomed. <laughs> <laughs> the highlight is we're doomed. Correct. News now with Marshall Phillips. WikiLeaks founder Julian Assange was arrested by British police yesterday, dragged out of the Ecuadorian embassy in London where he'd been holed up for nearly seven years after Ecuador, according to their ambassador, revoked his asylum for, among other reasons, not cleaning up after his cat and, quote, acting like a spoiled brat. (laughs) That is what the ambassador is saying. What an odd story. I mean, incredibly interesting and subtle First Amendment questions are at stake. And there's international extradition. There's manipulation of media, computer hacking. And if he hadn't been a DB and he cleaned up after his cat, he might have been able to spend the rest of his life there. His cat, which he regularly dressed in neckties, 
We'll post the pictures at armstrongandgetty.com. Okay, so so I saw the one picture with the cat in a tie, so that was an ongoing thing. Oh, yeah. The cat apparently had a closet full of uh, business casual. (laughs) (laughs) Don't put your cat in a necktie. (laughs) Look at that. And the collar. You see the collar? Right. Yeah. Like, not a flea collar, like actual, like, button-down collar. Yeah, for the tie. Yeah, well, right. For the tie. He looks like, Assange looks like a cat owner. No offense to cat owners. (laughs) Sure, they didn't take that as an offense at all. (laughs) Anyway, Assange refused to leave the embassy for all those years because he was afraid of being extradited to the U.S. for publishing classified military and diplomatic cables that were stolen by then-Army intelligence analyst Chelsea Manning and leaked to him. Effortlessly stolen by a low-ranking, lowly-trained human. How in the world... Mark Stein was making this argument on Fox last night. There are four million people with top secret clearances in America. That's a stupid system. Yeah. And allowing numbnuts like uh, Bradley Manning access to this stuff. How about we start there in terms of wanting keeping our secrets secret? Assange arrest sparking a debate over freedom of the press and government security. Judge Andrew Napolitano on Fox News with Brett Baer weighing in. This is a, a case about free speech. This is a case about punishing journalists. In this case, a journalist who revealed information devastating to what the United States had been saying and lying about. And it was truthful information that the people in a free democracy have the right to know. The judge saying, yes, a crime was committed committed by Manning, who got hold of the information. The crime is the theft of the information, not the receipt of it by a journalist and its publication. Can you help the thief get the information to you? Of course you can, just as the New York Times did with uh, Daniel Ellsberg and the Washington Post did with Daniel Ellsberg. And the release of the Pentagon Papers. Right. The, the question here, my friends, is that uh, Assange conspired with... Bradley Manning at the time to hack into the uh, the Pentagon's uh, computer systems, right. the one the stuff he didn't actually have access to, and the rest of it. And is that such an active act? Sorry, uh, to to get the information out that he became a conspirator in a crime. Right. And and you know if you install a special phone line for tipsters to call you as a reporter, now is that actively engaging in a conspiracy? Probably not. If you tell them, all right, here's how you beat the passwords, is that probably so in my mind? But where that line is drawn is a really interesting question. Former Stormy Daniels attorney and promoter Michael Avenatti indicted on a number of charges, 36 charges, including stealing millions of dollars from his clients, cheating on his taxes, trying to hide money in bankruptcy proceedings, and lying to investigators. U.S. Attorney Nick Hanna saying Avenatti, among other things, embezzled money he won in cases for five clients, allegedly keeping most of it, including a multi-million dollar reward for a paraplegic man with He's mental a challenges. Men- yeah, a mentally ill paraplegic on disability who is desperate for the money. He won it and Avenatti kept it. Yep. And Avenatti supposedly used that money to buy a jet. Authorities seized a $5 million jet that Mr. Avenatti co-owned, a purchase he made with money allegedly stolen from a client. He's completely amoral. Yeah, morally bankrupt. And the list of crimes is is amazing. He faces 330 years in prison, which would make him very old, like Moses old. Throw away the key. Avenatti denying the charges, though, tweeting that he'd made powerful enemies and would fight the case. 
So we'll see how all that turns out. Hey, by the way, long time spent in uh, space will dramatically change people's genes. That's the result of a landmark twin study that was done by NASA. It was centered around astronaut Scott Kelly. Who spent... So make them khakis. <laughs> the little pants humor there ah, for you. What? Ah, it's Friday. Where's Very the funny. <laughs> and on my birthday, too. Oh, really? And no on kidding. your birthday. <laughs> it was centered around the twins. Astronaut Scott Kelly, who spent 340 days in space, and his identical twin, Mark Kelly, who remained on Earth. The study showed that Scott Kelly's stay in the International Space Ch- uh, Station dramatically uh, changed some of his genes. The space flight also caused physical changes like weight loss and apparently the thicker, uh, thickening of his cardioid artery. Ooh. Researchers say most of the changes that he experienced from space flight returned to normal several months after arriving back on Earth. The chromosomal thing is really interesting. It has to do with the telomeres, the little gunk at the end of your right. chromosomes that they expected would be shorter, i.e. damaged. From a stay in space. No, they were longer. They were in better shape. Send me to space. Well, right. It's like going to the woods to relax for a weekend, but even more so. You're, you're away from Earth. Is it the lack now, of gravity? Uh, difficult is to say. Is it the I eating think. food out of a tube? They're in the Probably. Is it urinating in your own suit? That's, That's the it. one. Yeah. That's the one. Everybody <laughs> loves that. Once you get used to it, it's fabulous. Um, <laughs> Take some pressure off. Yeah. But then once he was on Earth for a little while, his yeah. telomeres got sanded down again, dealing with <laughs> right. humanity. And so, you know, the, the good stuff got undone and the bad stuff apparently got uh, undone. Honestly, too. it would be your life in space, I'm guessing, would be so planned out. I'll bet there are almost no decisions to make. I wonder if that played any role. Yeah. Yeah. Be like people who like the military so much and they get out and it's just, you don't have any decisions to make in the military other than very specific ones. Right. You you know where you're going to be, what you're going to eat, what time you're going to get. All these things are decided for you. And uh, I wonder if being in space does that something for your telomeres. That'd be interesting. Could very well be. Or it's just gravity. Well, or Tang, or, Tang does this Tang. to people. And or he's a scientist and he got to just hang out and do science all the time. Mm-hmm. Not a lot of blah, blah, blah from coworkers and family. No HR meetings. And, exactly. Yeah. yeah. That's your news. No I'm, cable news, I'm guessing. I'm Marshall Phillips of the Armstrong and Getty Show, the conscience of the nation. One interesting point from that interview we did, want to revisit, uh, 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 Texture brought it back up. We also have Clips of the Week coming up. The way Pokemon Go figures into data mining. I thought that was really interesting. Shocking. And how often has that happened to all of us? Often. (laughs) Joe's going to shout everything. Correct. One word at a time. Exactly. You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Apparently this is floating around social media. We gotta start thinking about the world we'll leave behind for Betty White when we're all gone. <laughs> She's never going to die, I guess. I don't know. She and Keith Richards <laughs> um, wed. So we had a guest on talking about Google and Facebook and how they're all manipulating us. Roger McNamee. The book is zucked. And mentioned that Pokemon Go was really uh, an, an effort to collect all kinds of data on people about behavior and 
various stuff like that. And an experiment to see if you could motivate people to do things they wouldn't normally do. A lot of those Google maps. go ma- places they wouldn't normally go. A lot of those Google Maps routes over the years where you look at them and you think, why would I go that way? It was designed to see if you would go that way and how long it would take and how they can manipulate you around. That's all really interesting. But then they did a behavioral manipulation experiment. They wanted to see if we put a Pokemon in private property, could we get you to knock on a stranger's door or climb over a fence? Yes, we could. <laughs> and if we put a Pokemon in a Starbucks, could we get you to go in and buy a cup of coffee? Yes, we could. Now, how about if we put it in the third Starbucks on the street further away and we gave you 10 cents off? Would you behave that way? Wow. God, that's so good. It's so me, scary. Reminds me of that pug emoji that I almost downloaded. Pug emoji I could buy for $1.99 so I could send a pug emoji to my wife mm. uh, to be humorous. And, and, and But I read the agreement for once and in the agreement it said agreeing using this allows pug emoji access to every keystroke that's ever been made on this phone right everything i've ever typed on the phone would be available to them better be a cute emoji hmm? if i want to use these pug emojis yeah. yeah wow amazing stuff so hey before we run out of time let's take a fond look back at the week that was it's cow clips of the week Change the channel from this mesmerizing horror show that's going on in Washington right now. That combines ketchup and ranch, and they're calling it cranch. <laughs> Still better that when they combine horseradish with mustard to create horse turd. All right, so it turns out that quote wasn't exactly poetry. It was, strictly speaking, a song from the end of Pokemon the movie. Because that's just the kind of thing that happens now, and we all have to accept it. It's, you know, it's not racist to say, ah, if you're going to be here, then you should learn the language of the country that you just arrived at. If your point is you open the boards, my God, you know, there's a lot of poverty in this world, and you're going to have people from all over the world, and I, I, I don't think that's something that we can do at this point. Can't do it. Yes, I think spying did occur. First of all, Gail is sitting in the seat of her soul right now. Said other glaciers, oh my God, you look amazing. You may go uh, anytime you want. Please please dismiss everybody. I believe you're supposed to take the gravel and and bang it. That's the wrong word. Please do not instruct me as to how I'm to conduct this committee. Oh my God, look at him. Look at him. The beard, I have not seen him looking like that. Clearly not being taken willingly, he's being dragged. What is the charge? Eating a meal? A succulent Chinese meal? Are you serious? You know what? It is, it is serious. What does that mean? It's hinky. I don't know, it's strange. Weird. Well, let's say strange or weird. I mean, hinky, that has no meaning. Oh, we say hinky. I don't want you guys using words when I mean got no meaning. I'm taking the stairs and walking. A brave stance. Bernie Sanders is racist. I'm surprised to hear that. That's uh, really not been part of his rep, but he's in favor of slowing or halting the flow of illegal immigration into the United States. And we've been told over and over again by some of you that the only possible motivation for that is racism. And according to Barack Obama, they need to learn to speak English. Yes. Um, Obama, another racist. I hope all our listeners are sitting in the seat of their souls right now. Right. If you're not, get there. Oprah said Gail King is sitting in the seat of her soul. All right. Good, good, good for her, I guess. <laughs> I, uh, that's a new one on me. Hey, we got this uh, suggestion from uh, David, alert listener David, who emailed us mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. 
we were uh, talking, complaining about the the horrific shriek in the night of the uh, the fire uh, alarm, the uh, smoke alarm with the dying battery. And he points out that you can now buy first alert ten year photoelectric smoke and fire alarms. I didn't know that. Yeah, your battery only. <laughs> Runs out every 10 years. I can only assume that when it does, though, the, the sound it makes is the sound of your nightmares or something. I can buy those at, like, Home Depot or something? Are they, uh, like, $900, like those light bulbs that last 25 years? You know what? I did it's not. a light bulb that lasts you forever. It's $4,000. Exactly. I did not expand this little ad. This happens to be at the Costco. Huh. But I have a feeling you can buy them. First oh. Alert is, like, the number one brand. That so would be handy. I bet you can get them anywhere. That'd be handy. Yeah, I love that idea. Of course, then you have to replace all your smoke alarms. I am currently procrastinating in the hammock of my malaise. There you go. <laughs> that's that's good. That's good. Not the seat of your soul? No. The hammock of your malaise. Yeah, it's she soul is seat adjacent. in the seat of her soul. Who talks like that? <laughs> Who says words that's like that? That's some horse dung like right there. Huh? Am I wrong? I'm not wrong. NBA playoffs start this weekend. I really like that. I'm a big NBA playoffs guy. Although the first round is not that jazzy. And the play- NBA playoffs, whoa, don't miss it. It's only two months long. Game of hoops. It's mm. it's two months long in the NBA playoffs. Good lord. Yeah, that's plenty. Yeah, that's plenty. Uh, cleaning out the uh, the potpourri here. Uh, I love this. Al the painter, who's always a, a witty correspondent, wrote on a couple of different topics. One of them quite serious. Maybe we'll hold it for next week. But I love this. P.S. Saw an awesome T-shirt today. T-shirt says, "There's no way everyone was literally kung fu fighting." <laughs> It should be literally everyone, shouldn't it? Yes. But, <laughs> Funny. <laughs> oh, that's rye, my friends. Rye. Actually, his topic, which fits into the whole uh, Roger McNamee interview, was that his, and I'm quoting now, uh, my father-in-law and his wackadoo wife are so far left that all they will watch is CNN. They quite literally will not take a news from another source. Uh, the whole Russian spy thing turned out to be not true, but they don't care. They just keep watching CNN um, and will never admit it was wrong, blah, blah, blah. Then he says, my parents are exactly the same way on the right. They will only watch Fox. Hard to come out with a sane opinion on the news of the day when this is how you approach the news. Sad! I'd say more people are like that than not. Yeah. Yep. Um, and I'd be okay with it, except again. Oh, oh you know, there was one more email. Uh, some guy says, hey, Joe, when you're hanging out with musicians, don't be ashamed of your conservative beliefs. And I'm not. I'm not ashamed at all. I'm not. In fact, I'm quite the opposite. I'm proud. But the point is, th- the mere mention of the topics will draw anger and animosity and, and divisions between people. It's that that I what's don't want. Upside? I'm not ashamed. Yeah, what's the upside? Well, right. And and listen, there used to be a, a prohibition in society, an informal but observed one you don't bring up politics and religion stick with that yeah that's it that's a good idea so if i were to watch game of thrones final season debut on sunday night on my hbo that i'm still paying for because of the sopranos yes would i have any idea what's going on none whatsoever okay well i mean you could piece stuff that you could figure out oh that person doesn't like this person oh wait they they got some uh, clearly they're trying to work over they some stuff in the that past. seems to be a reference to a wrong done but they to them right they don't look like they don't do it like the dumb shows i watch on the networks where they say hey joey what happened last summer when you lost your job to hey. reset things up for me hello brother sam <laughs> haven't <laughs> seen you since yeah. exactly. <laughs> they don't do that for you lost your ear right yeah <laughs> Final thoughts with A and G, yeah!
Here's your host, Joe Getty. It's the yeah that makes it for me. <laughs> Let's get a final thought from everybody. It's the birthday boy, everybody. Michelangelo. Michael. All right. Well, I'm off to my birthday party. I've got a magician on the way, a Superman peanut pinata and two cases of cherry high c in the trunk of my car <laughs> gonna be wild ah <laughs> <laughs> oh, positive sean your final thought yes just two more sleeps and then i get to wake up and it's four nba playoff games and game of thrones final season premiere i am ecstatic that means it's the beginning of the end though oh. no more thrones dang it Although you can rewatch the 7,000 episodes. Uh, let's see, Marshall Phillips, final thought. Well, while some this weekend are sitting in the seats of their souls, I am sitting by the dock of the bay. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah, hey, that's a good song. Yeah. Uh, Jack, final thought for us. My third grader's open house was last night at school, and so I got to see this project they've all been working on. Uh, You're supposed to do a, a, a biography of uh, some people or thing uh, group, I guess. Anyway, his best friend did Benjamin Franklin. His other friend did King Tut. He did, Sam did the Beatles for some reason. Huh? No idea why. Huh. Yeah? What are you going to get out of learning? Lovable mop tops. <laughs> yes. Right. Anyway, exactly. Yeah. He's really interested in telling me. So did you know that uh, one of them married a girl and the rest of them didn't like him? Didn't like the girl and yeah. it kind of split him up? I heard yeah. about that. I yeah. had heard about that song. Uh, my final thought <laughs> is uh, one good guitar player pal of mine is in London. Just ran into a member of the Clash. Another guitar player pal of mine is heading to Maui. I'm headed to pick up my dog's crap from the backyard. That is my plan for this afternoon. Mm. I'm feeling a little bad. Mm. Feeling a little down. Feeling a little, what is it, FOMO? I've done, I've done missed out. Fear got nothing to do with it. We'll see you on Monday. God bless America. Well, kids, that's all the time we have for today. I'd like to thank Sideshow Mel, Corporal Punishment, Tina Ballerina, oh, and from Not Planning, Miss Donna Mills. Oh, she was a sport. We've had lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of fun. Now the time has come to go. If this still cop was found dead in his bed tomorrow, I'd be in heaven still doing this show. See you some other time! <laughs> <laughs> <sighs>